Now we will be speaking to independent economist Jeff Simmons, formerly of the Morgan Foundation, former deputy co-leader of the Opportunities Party, and general uh, newly minted political raconteur. Um, he's going to talk to us about the Labor Party's first 100 days. How are you, Jeff? I'm good, thanks, mate. And uh, is that fair to say that you're, um, you know, remaining uh, a political raconteur? You got your taste. It's it's in the blood now. Oh, absolutely. It was uh, it was a great uh, great fun political experience, as I'm as I'm sure you'll attest to. Um, and uh, you know, uh, I was really I was really impressed at at how the the public uh, you know received having. Um, you know, uh, evidence-based conversations about about policy. I found that uh, I found that really encouraging. Mm, yes, well, it was encouraging, and then it was a little bit discouraging when they responded even more to selfies and uh, happy <laughs> hope and change. Uh, but we've seen that before, and now is where the rubber hits the road. They made a lot of promises, and they kind of overpromised and underdelivered, in my mind, on the things that I pay close attention to. You've written a Labor Party first hundred day scorecard uh, published by. The National Business Review. What's your overall picture of uh, Jacinda's first hundred days? Well, uh, the, the overall picture, I guess, is, is is pretty average. I think you're right uh, that they have overpromised and, and underdelivered. Um, but that that really is, uh, I guess, a symptom of um, not uh, you know not not having really done. Uh, the groundwork on the on the policy they're they're, they're talking about, um, and th- there really was a, a a lack of depth to a lot of uh, you know Labor's promises. Hence the you know uh, more around about half of them are, are you know setting up commissions of inquiry or or um, you know committees to to, to do more thinking. Um, so it, it's. You, I would have expected for nine years in opposition that they would have would have come with a bit more fully fully thought, thought through ideas. Well, and I guess I mean um, you know they they did have a lot of policies that just weren't popular with people, and then they completely changed tack and they kind of um, just had this grab bag of rhetoric. Um, now it has to be matched with action. What are some of the well? I've seen your scorecard. It is pretty average. What are the things that you think they've done well? Let's just get those few out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think the um, the early start policy, the, the the best start policy. I mean, uh, is is a is a great one. You know, it's uh, it, it is really is based on evidence. It's targeting those first few years when uh, we know that actually people have the um, you know uh, young young parents have the hardest time. Um, you know, often because. They uh, they don't have two incomes coming into the into the house uh, as 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 you would probably know Abe um, mm. and so it, you know that, that that's a really challenging time and but it's also a really important time for for the child's development you know so much happens in that first thousand days that first three years so it, it's a great investment for government to be to be um, you know putting into parents with young kids. Um, the other, uh, you know, really, really good one, I think, is the Climate Commission. Um, you know, the uh, the Zero Carbon Act and and um, and, and and setting up an ind- uh, independent commission, which which can work out uh, our, our our plan to, to to get to net zero carbon by by 2050. I mean, that's uh, that's 
long overdue, and and will hopefully bring uh, a, you know a bit of long term thinking to to the climate change arena. Yeah, well, certainly, I mean, um, things that National would never have even come close to doing. But I guess um, the problem that I have seen with Labor is, you know, they they did ride in on this wave of sort of hope and change, but really they kind of represent, you know, the status quo, neoliberalism light, and um, some of the economic policies, and and even with their tying up with the Green Party, some of the environmental policies, especially when it comes to, say, the fishing industry, uh, they've just kind of shown that same you know fealty to cronies and lobbyists that um that almost national would and and in some cases maybe worse than national would have yeah i mean uh i i think uh it it uh it 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 varies across uh, across the piece but um yeah i mean i have been um i have been surprised uh in the uh, in, in the uh, approach to a, a lot of the primary industries that we have seen in the, um, uh, you know, in the in the first hundred days, um, a lot of uh, you know softening of the rhetoric around around um, farming and, and and fisheries, which mm. uh, which you know may be partly due to the influence of uh, of New Zealand first, perhaps. Um, but really, know, with if, the fisheries, with be, the with the fisheries, there seems to be deep links with labour there. Yeah, uh, well, um, and and with New Zealand First, there's very very strong uh, links with the with the fisheries industry with 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 um, both Winston Peters and and Shane Jones. So it's uh, it's 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 difficult to know, um, uh, who, you know, who who has the <laughs> who has the you know who, who really is the driver of yeah, of who's calling the shots? Kia ora, Jeff. Kia ora, Will. How are you? I'm good, man. Um, just back to the Climate Change Commission, do you think there's anything Labor can do now about trying to figure out a plan um, to sort of tackle climate change? Because, you know, just on the topic of farming, like with, with a lot of our emissions coming from farming, is, is there anything Labor can do to sort of quick fix and, and get a jump on the targets for the Paris Agreement? Well, I mean, I guess that gets us into, um, you know, into the discussion about these, uh, you know, Shane Jones's billion trees. Um, and, uh, you know, because that is... That is one of the uh, the, the areas um, that you know where, where there are quick wins possible, um, and actually, you know, we could we could see vast swathes of New Zealand planted in, in trees without without the need for um, for any public money at all if if the government uh, played its played its cards right and, and really uh, you know sat down with uh, with with land users and with and with uh, foresters and, and and worked out a plan. Um, but the, I mean, the, one of the big problems that they that they face is that um, because of because of their unwillingness to do anything on farming, you know, farming and and forestry are are, are competing for the for the same land. So uh, you know, because of their unwillingness to really um, you know tackle the, the the farming industry, we're not going to see any really um, you know productive land being switched into into forestry. Um, so what we're you know what we're really looking at is is the is the really low quality uh, erosion prone land, um, which isn't really suitable for for plantation forestry anyway. Uh, so, I mean, I I, I think, um, but I do think there are, there are still uh, easy wins there, uh, and if the government um, sort of uh, you know got the the fundamentals right with um, with 
uh, how how we manage the manuka honey industry and how we manage the carbon farming aspects. Uh, I think you could see a lot of farmers putting that uh, erosion-prone land into into forestry pretty quickly. Now, it all depends on the, the identity of these trees as well, though, doesn't it? I mean, like, if you look at forestry on erosion-prone land now, it's kind of exacerbating the issue, um, and yeah, it, right. it could I be mean, done a lot smarter. Yeah, and, and that, that's why, um, you know, the, the, the great irony we've got, uh, which, which really does show the, the, the strength of the farming industry over the forestry industry is, you know, as of um, as of last year, we have a national policy statement on forestry which prevents plantation forestry on erosion-prone land um, because of the problems that you're highlighting, Abe, that, that, you know, if you put if you put a bunch of pine trees on there, um, you know, sometimes they can come down even in, in, in storms and bring a lot of... Uh, Soil with them, but um, but you can you can also um, uh, you know of course when when they're harvested it causes all sorts of problems on on erosion prone land. So the so the forestry industry has agreed not to do plantation forestry on uh, erosion prone land, but we we still have uh, other forms of farming, um, you know, uh, such as um, you know beef and beef and deer farming on erosion prone land, which can be just as uh, can be just as destructive over the long term. Mm. Um, but what what some people are looking at with um, with uh, you know erosion prone land, there's a couple of really interesting models, which like for example using a, a mixture of uh, exotics to get the carbon uh, benefits uh, sequestered, and um, and manuka to to get the manuka honey, mm. um, and and actually if you if you do that, that it overcomes the erosion problem that that pines have as well. So you get you get a a, a, a few pines quickly growing up, sucking up the carbon, and, and you'll get manuka growing in between them, providing the honey, and and that actually um, you know could could provide a, a fairly viable alternative for farmers wanting to, to use that land um, and, and the other big one is, is silver pasture which is um, you know you could we could potentially still see uh, some of that high country used for sheep farming um, with sparsely planted poplars uh, in amongst them to, to help stabilize the land uh, and you know this is really being seen internationally as one of the big possible responses to climate change um, um, and you know, if if you get the spacing right, you can still uh, get carbon credits under the emissions trading scheme for for, for growing those those poplars while still having, uh, in, in many ways, a, a happier flock of sheep because they've got they've got uh, something to shelter under under these uh, thirty degree summers we've got going on. <laughs> mm. Moving on to uh, the events of the weekend. Um, you know, Jacinda, she's she's still riding the wave uh, of hope and change. Um, definitely, we saw that with uh, you know her her deft approach um, with Y Tangy and sort of you know being a, a person of the people um, as opposed to a, a corporate manager. And and even John Key liked to sort of don his uh, barbecue apron at appropriate times. Um, <laughs> Do you think, I mean, is is this deaf PR? Is this a genuine commitment? They did wipe out the Maori Party just a few months ago. Um, is this the equivalent of Obama's Nobel Peace Prize, or is there some, some more substance here? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do find um, the way the, the, the Labour Party dealt with the, 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 the Maori Party pretty astounding. 
uh, and then to and then to claim that they are um, you know they're, they're supportive of Māori, it's uh, whew, it, you know that was that was a, uh, an, an extremely cutthroat situation and 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 one that I think will actually shoot themselves in the foot long term because I think you know the the, the Māori Party um, you know provided a. Uh, a, a useful voice, a useful centrist voice, which which could have been a partner to, to Labour as well. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I think that's I think that's a, a real a real shame. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really do agree with uh, Jacinda when she says that we that we shouldn't view um, you know dissent at Waitangi as a as a negative thing, and I, that really is kind of the point of the treaty that we can. Talk about this, these sorts of stuff, and air our differences without without um, coming to blows. Um, but but yeah, I mean, in, in terms of the in terms of the substance, um, uh, you know, I, I think uh, you know, Labour are going to Labour are going to struggle. They 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 do, you know, talk a good game when it comes to when it comes to poverty, but whether they're actually um, you know, in, in practice, a lot of their policies are, are, are very much focused on on the middle class, um, and I and I think you know corrections, the, the corrections in criminal justice area is going to be a real uh, bellwether for that for that relationship with mm. with Māori because oh. there's there's really high hopes there. Um, but if, you know, if they if they don't deliver, if they're not really prepared to take on that sort of um, you know. Uh, Structural. That's really interesting as well, because in light of your NBR article, I mean, there, there was a theme coming out of that, which is that the, the middle class is benefiting and the the most vulnerable aren't. And uh, Jacinda did say, "Hold me to account." So uh, next Waitangi Day, we're going to see if. Um, That's right, and if those statistics, uh, those horrific, um, you know, statistics for yeah, especially when it comes to uh, you know disadvantaged groups, don't improve. Then uh, that'll speak for itself. Well, yeah, that's right, and and I think that that will be something that that you know Labour will will struggle with. Um, you know, they they perhaps perhaps this um, you know this uh, honeymoon will will get them through the the next election easily enough. But I think you know if these if these statistics don't budge, which which on on their um, you know on their current policy uh, trajectory i you know i don't i don't really see them budging much i, I don't mm. see the the kind of tax reform um that, you know it, it, given the terms of reference that they've set up i don't see that being able to shift um inequality um so it's it's really going to come down to how much of the budget they can they can put towards um how much they or the budget they can put towards poverty and and they 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 keep showing time and time again with things like uh, tertiary education that their that their priority is the middle class. Hey, well, we really thank you for joining us, Jeff, and uh, we're excited to see um, your political musings here and there. Uh, you know, in the coming months. And uh, just before we go, we we had a bumped interview earlier that we are going to get back now. Um, with a guy who I would love to put you up against sometime. I'm just wondering if there's anything you'd like us to say to uh, Michael Laws as we speak to him about why he loves to defend burning coal. <laughs> just, uh, just, just say to him, you know, uh, I, I just want to know what what happened, Michael. You know, you you, you, you left, you know, you you left National in in 1992, 93, um, because you you know because they were um, 
you know, because they were not, uh, you know, um, because they were taking us down this, you know, neo neoliberal uh, agenda, and 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 now now you've become one of the dinosaurs. I I, I just don't understand what's what's happened to him. Sure. Hey, well, thanks, Jeff, and uh, we'll we'll be asking him that. So uh, stay tuned. Okay. Thanks. Cheers. That was Jeff Simmons. You're on the one ninety one FM Politrix. We will be.